Okay, so, <clears throat> hello everyone again. Now, I'm going to do something a little cliche for this kind of channel, like account. Um, that is, I'm going to do my top 10 favourite horror movies of all time. Now, this list was so difficult to make, honestly. I've seen at least... 200 horror movies including franchises of course like like obviously i've not like i'm not saying one leprechaun movie counts as all of them no I'm, i mean I'll, i've seen all nine of them then i've seen all well 12 friday the 13th films all 11 nightmare on elm street films all that and i've seen loads more so, obviously, out of 200, picking 10 is extremely difficult, especially considering I have a certain love for horror. I like, a, I, can like I can get past bad storylines, boring characters, just as long as there's gore, to be honest, good gore. So compiling 10 is a very difficult job. But I managed to do the best I could uh, in about what, 10 minutes, so, let's go for it, so, number 10, Hellraiser, now this one is one a lot of people know, Pinhead's an icon, now, I like the story because it's different, because it's extremely gory and brutal, and because it's got a sort of beautiful setting and just different different about it it's, it's like the setting we know and love but different it, it sort of reminds me of r-rated beetlejuice that's what i'd say um now i'm not going to do a massive review on all 10 of these but you know pinhead is a very intriguing character you've he's so interesting you want to know a lot about him and also it's one of those cases where you actually kind of do root for the final girl and you can feel a pain like when the Cenobites caught her and she was pleading for her life in that really iconic and pretty terrifying scene. Um, yeah, so Hellraiser number 10. Number 9, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now... I almost picked Silence of the Lambs over this, so, spoiler alert, Silence of the Lambs won't be on the list. And not because quite a few of these are 90s films, but because A Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I prefer, tend to prefer slasher films over psychological films. And The Nightmare on Elm Street, I just realised, is the one of the penultimate slasher films. Like, yes, I know Silence of the Lambs won awards, it was brilliant, I'm not denying that, it was a great film. But A Nightmare on Elm Street, for slasher fans, you've just, there's nothing not to like about it. It's got iconic imagery, brilliant effects for 1984. Uh, it's different, it helps, it helped boost the slasher genre. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't the original booster. The original booster was Halloween, but it helped add a sort of mystical element while still remaining scary, if you know what I mean. 
and it might have been what helped inspire Leprechaun. So yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, you've got to love the stories, brilliant and different, and the kills, the kills are amazing. The concept is terrifying. I mean, I heard Wes Craven, um, and by the way, spoiler alert, this isn't the only Wes Craven film on the list. So I think you could guess what the other one is, but Wes Craven actually got his idea of A Nightmare on Elm Street from hearing stories about people who died by having heart attacks because of bad dreams. Now, as genius as it is to come up with Freddy Krueger from all that, it's also scarily realistic. Because you, if I said, uh, burnt-faced man with a fedora and a knife, uh, a bladed glove who can attack your dreams and kill you, if I said that to you, that doesn't exactly scream realistic, does it? But what it does do is when you look at the backstory and how Wes Craven came up with the idea, it makes it seem realistic. And that is why it's scary for me, personally. Because horror movies don't really scare me. But what did scare me about that was finding out how Wes Craven came up with the idea. Wes Craven was a genius. I was, dev I was devastated when I heard that he died in 2015. Rest in peace. So number eight, Maniac Cop, the original. Now, I tried to bound myself from putting sequels on the list because I thought that was a bad idea and unfair on some of the others I left on there. Honestly, I think I would have put Scream 4 on here. Maybe Evil Dead 2. Um, Halloween 2018 could have had a shot. But I just couldn't pick out Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. And I do prefer Maniac Cop 2. But I can't keep it on this list without knowing Maniac Cop is as well. So, yeah, Maniac Cop. I've done a review on it already. You should seriously watch the film. If you haven't, what are you doing? You need to see the film. It's great. It's amazing. Just go and see it. But I'll explain why it's one of my favourites personally. Now, the music for starters by Jay Chataway is tremendous. Um, the effects shouldn't be good, but they are. They're just good. They're just great. The storyline's great. The But it's mainly for Matthew Cordell. He's just a great, realistic, sympathetic horror villain. And that was a time when there wasn't that many. Freddy Krueger, you can't really sympathise with him. He was a paedophile. And Jason Voorhees, yes, you can sympathise with him a small bit. But he then kills people who aren't count, uh, who aren't camp counsellors. So then you sort of think, well, he's got no reason to do that. Whereas Matt Cordell, you can see why he wants revenge on everyone who lives in the city. That is why he's so sympathetic, and that's why you feel bad for him. And that is why I love Maniac Cop. Number seven, this one might be controversial, Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness. Now, I'm saying this is controversial, is because for one, many don't consider it to be a horror film, 
and two, some people actually think it's the worst out of the trilogy. Now, it's personally my favourite for a few reasons. Now, you might think me being a horror fanatic, I would say number two, because that's definitely the most ridden with gore and fun and all that. Um, like fun, when I say fun, I mean slasher fun. But number three was fun, but a different meaning of fun. It was definitely... I like number three more than the other two, because it really defined Ashley Williams as a character. It showed that he was a sort of anti-hero, and that he will do anything to get what he wants, but he will do... he will help if he feels bad. Or needs something doing, so decides to help to get it done for him. Um, now, that's why, because actually, and also, some of the scenes and quotes that come from him in this are just classics, and some of the most memorable. I mean, Evil Dead 2, and the the most iconic quote from that is Groovy, one, one word. And honestly, I challenge you to think of any other iconic quotes from the first two. Yeah, there might be one or two, but there's n- n- in Evil Dead 3, it's where you hear most of them, like, one off the bat, come get some, or hail to the king, baby, give me some sugar, baby. There's, n- there's too many to count. And, you know, y- y- people often associate the word groovy with either Austin Powers or um, Ashley Williams. For me, I do associate it with Ashley Williams, but there's just other quotes I do uh, associate with him. And that's why I prefer the third one to the other two. And the reason I'm going to stand by saying it is a horror film is because of the Deadites. The Deadites are horror movie villains. You can't have horror movie villains in a non-horror movie. That's like... What? That's like... Well, that's like putting Austin Powers into James Bond. It wouldn't work. It'd just come come off as silly. But in The Evil Dead 3, it doesn't come off as silly. It just comes off as very, um... What's the word? Sort of slapstick. And it is the most comedic of the three. Maybe not the funniest, but... Certainly the most comedic. Like, the tone of it. Um, yeah. So let's move on from that. Number six, Halloween, 1978. Directed by John Carpenter. Now, this one. Wow. Honestly, I think... Give us a moment. One, two, three... Four, five... Six, at least six films I have on my list would not exist if it wasn't for this. Because it wasn't the first slasher film. It was actually Peeping Tom from 1959 or 58. Um, And a lot of people think Psycho was the first. But Psycho wasn't, it, it wasn't, it was more of a, Peeping Tom was made, but it, it was more of a sleeper hit. Then Psycho came along, and that was a big hit. So Psycho was more recognised, which then a few slasher films came out after that. 
But in Halloween in 1978, that really, really did boost the slasher genre. That's what started Ghostface, um, Freddy, uh, Jason, Matthew Cordell, loads of horror villains. The beat, so many horror icons that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Michael Myers. Um, the story in itself as well is amazing. The ten, the ten, oh, the bloody tension is amazing. It's some of the suspense in that is is the best you're gonna see in any film. Like when Laurie thought that she killed him, and she sort of just sat down to take a breather, and it's the long shot of him just silently getting up and going towards her. It's brilliant. The film is just a masterpiece, and it should it will always be respected. And I know a lot of people overlook the ending now because it's cliche, but it's only cliche because they started it. Like every film you've seen now that has a horror vi- or well any villain getting out by disappearing mysteriously, that all come that all originates from Halloween. And although people might predict it now, in 1978, audiences would have been shocked to see that Michael wasn't there. And that's why Halloween is my sixth favourite. Now, number five, Reanimator. Now, a lot of people were recently introduced to this one by James A. Janice, who hosts the Dead Meat YouTube channel. I've known about this film for two years now before James, so when I saw him upload the video on it, I was over the hill, because it's underrated, um, it's really underrated, like, if you like Night of the Living Dead, or, well, pretty much any zombie film, you'll love Reanimator, like, you could, you could say it's like the 1985 B-movie version of Shaun of the Dead, because it's cheesy and funny, but it still remains horror. Like, it's... You know the mad scientist image you get now of a guy in blood-soaked clothes... Uh, sorry, blood-choked white shirt, a black tie, glasses, and sort of parted black hair? That comes from Herbert West. Although he wasn't exactly a massive icon, that's where you get the mad scientist image from. You get it from Reanimator. Now, why is this film one of my favourites? Because it's just so much fun. If you want an hour and 30 minutes of fun, watch Reanimator. It's just... Herbert West is so inquiring and intimidating and funny and sarcastic and his methods are amazing as well. And, oh, they're just great. Now, like, one of my highlights from the film is when... They were taking their reanimated cat down, and they did get it down in the end. And then he sort of went, it's there, it's there, it's back up. And then um, Thingy looks around, I forget his name, because he is a rather forgettable character. And he looked around, and then Herbert and Herbert was lying about it, and he started laughing. That, it's just, it shows that it's not taking itself too seriously, which is great. Now, when you see the film and you see the ridiculous amount of gore and how good the gore is for practical effects in 85, 
you'd be very surprised when I tell you that the budget the budget of the film was one million. One million. Yep, only one million. And the effects were that good. It's such a surprise. I mean, the, the first scene looks like it came from a nightmare in Elm Street. When the guy's eyes literally explode. explode. It's just... It's great. And the theme as well. The theme to Reanimator. I know it is a bit of a rip-off of Psycho. But that was kind of the point. To make it creepy. So, yeah. That's why Reanimator is at number five. Number four, Candyman. Oh, Candyman, 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 Candyman. Thank God I wasn't looking in a mirror. Now, this film, wow. Wow, 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 wee wow. Very, very good. Honestly, I know I've said this about every single other film, but if you've not seen Candyman, don't, don't even listen any further. Watch it now. It is so beautiful. It's... The story is masterfully written. It's based off a play by Clive Barker, who wrote Hellraiser, wrote and directed Hellraiser. So you know it's going to be good if you like Hellraiser. The gore, beautiful. Check. The villain, Candyman, Tony Todd. Big check. The protagonist, Helen Lyle. Check. You know, everything's good about it. And another thing, like... I know this is a small thing, but usually the final girl survives. Helen Lyle dies. She, you, you expect her to survive it. You expect her to get through it, like every other horror movie girl. Like the Nancy Thompson or the, the Laurie Strode. But no, she died. It shows that there was consequences for her actions, and that's great. Um... And that's not the best thing about it. The best thing, I don't know, Tony Todd's performance as a Candyman's always going to be great. I'm really, really, uh, I'm really gassed for the new Candyman film coming out June 12th this year. That is, of course, if Tony Todd is back in it, because he's just so good. He's so good at the Candyman. It's ridiculous. Now... The the stunts, like, when they had to put um, a sort of black guard in his mouth to stop the bees from going down his throat, that's great. Um, those kind of stunts must have been painful to get through. And I, I don't know. And even um, Virginia Madsen, who plays Helen, said that she's allergic to bees. And yet she still did it. And that just shows dedication. And there was a fair amount of dedication gone into the production. But I don't know what to say the best thing about it is. Philip Glass composing the music is already amazing. Um, the fact that the... Uh, like, you probably know the Candyman without seeing the film. You probably recognise a guy with a hook for a hand and the urban legend of saying his name five, five times into a mirror. Chances are you know that. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. Just watch it if you've not seen it. Number four. Uh, sorry, no, number three. 
um, Maniac Cop 2. Now, the reason I prefer this to the first Maniac Cop film, which we've just seen, is because it was everything Maniac Cop 1 was, but just better, just upgraded and better. And it's it's great. Like the also the film had a budget of five million, which is five times as much as the original. So there's all already a win. So now they could do many great stunts and stuff like that. Um But we've not even got we've not gone to the best bit. Matthew Cordell is by far the best bit in the movie. And I know the horror villain usually can be the best. But seriously, he's so good. The scene where he goes and massacres a police station. It is ridiculous, but so great. The... I can't pick a highlight. The bit where he, for some reason, teams up with that serial killer. It seems silly, but it works. The bit where he turns on the serial killer, or, well, kind of the other way around at the end, that works as well. Oh, and also, Maniac Cop 2 held for, what, 30 years, almost, the Guinness World Record for the longest fire stunt by a stuntman. For three, three, three or four minutes... There was a stuntman on fire as Matthew Cordell going around the police station massacring everyone. And that took that took a whole day to shoot. Was it a whole sorry, no, three days to shoot. That's wow. Three days to shoot that scene. But it was worth it. It was so good. Now I know Game of Thrones did take the title of longest stuntman on fire thing, but Honestly, it doesn't decrease from the film just because of that. The stunters... And that, the thing is, him being on fire for three minutes isn't even the most impressive part about it. The most impressive part is when the serial killer barges into Matthew and they both fall out of the building onto a car and explode. The stuntmen had to go out of the building, still on fire... And then there was a massive explosion. Wow. That just just watch the film for that stunt alone. But there's still other elements. I feel like the pacing, yeah, it did get a little bit slow midway through, but then it certainly gets back up again in the last half hour. And the film is only an hour and twenty minutes. So yeah, like it it just as I say, like, the first bit of the film is sort of showing Jack and uh, Therese trying to get on with their lives after the events of Matt Cordell and uh, in the first film and trying to convince everyone they're not mad and it did happen. And then they both get killed. Very, And I know, uh, the thing is, Jack Forrest getting killed, Bruce Campbell getting killed by a knife stab in the back. People think that was a bit unceremonious for Bruce Campbell. But 
that's what's good about it. You don't expect that. You expect him to have this whole massive fight with Matthew, but he doesn't. And instead, Therese is the one who has a massive fight with Cordell. Like, first she shoots at him, she gets thrown into a shop, she grabs a chainsaw, revs it up and tries to use it against him, but he just simply stands there and grabs the chainsaw. Then he picks her up and snaps her neck. It's great. It It's so good. The, the stunt, there's another stunt as well that was good. Um, the psychologist's policewoman, when she's handcuffed to the car by Cordell and the car's driven off, uh, driven off and she's still handcuffed to it, that's great. Like, she... <laughs> For real, she could have died doing that. I, w- I would not do that. <laughs> I, I just think dedication. That's what makes it good. The climax is probably the best thing about it. But there's still more to love. Now, I've talked about this film more than any other on the list. Because I think it's the most underrated. So please watch it if you like horror. Okay, so number two. Misery. Now, a lot of people don't consider this to be a horror film. A lot of people think this is just a psychological thriller. But it does have a lot of horror elements in it. And you know what? I don't care anyway. It's my list. And it is... It's... Two words. Four words, actually. Five... No, five. Kathy Bates and James Kahn. Just... The chemistry between Annie Wilkes and Paul Sheldon is great it, it's just oh, like a lot of people overlook Paul Sheldon I think because of how good Annie Wilkes was and they sort of go yeah Paul was alright but Annie Wilkes was the best I think I don't think Annie Wilkes would have been as good if it wasn't for Paul's fighting back in terms of response and stuff like yeah she still would have been brilliant but she wouldn't be as recognised and stuff like, Paul Sheldon, I just see as a very, very lovable character. And the film has a very sort of sense of hopelessness. The book does have a more, a, a, a grander sense of hopelessness. But the film certainly does as well. Because he's, bro- both his legs are broken. He's been kidnapped by someone who's obsessed with him. Oh, and he's... Sorry. Sorry, I had a bit of an unprofessional interference there. Um, but no, for real, Misery, it it just it feels so real, in a way. And I know my number one pick feels more real than Misery, but it does have a sense of realism. A person with mental po- uh, problems, obsessed with a writer, then takes him, kidnaps him, and makes him right for her. It do it, it it that could happen. That's partly why it's so scary. But also it's scary, it's downright terrifying because Kathy Bates is Annie Wilkes. The the way this the film set out, the location is beautiful. The music that's often um Liberace's pieces often popping up like I'll be seeing you and piano concerto number five 
Um, they're beautiful as well. I, I like a bit of Liberace in me. I suppose I like old music. Um, the hobbling scene is the most well-known bit. And for a reason. Just seeing his foot go... It's... Wow. Wow. It caught me off guard the first time I saw it. The, fine, the climax, the fight between Paul and Annie as well. You expect Annie to destroy Paul. Because he's, you know, he's in a wheelchair. But it does make sense with how Paul beats her. Because she goes for the book. She's obsessed with his writing. So she goes for the book when it burns. That makes sense. She doesn't, she doesn't fight him at that point. She she only fights him when she drop, he drops the typewriter on her head. And then he has a scuffle with her on the floor. It makes sense. Like, he's not stood up having a street fight with her. He's realistically having a little scuffle. And he uses tactical ability to his advantage over physical strength. But for me, the highlight of the movie is that like actually, weirdly, oddly enough, it's what inspired me to write. Like, I... I've honestly written a novel because of this film. I don't know what it is. It just... I think it's the way Paul describes writing. Like, well, one example is when Annie pulls out the desk and typewriter and she says, yeah, we can work. And he goes, work? You mean write? Like, making writing sounds more as a hobby than a job. Because people might see writing as a sort of boring sit down, do it. But it's more beautiful and creative than that. And I think that needs recognition. And that's why I sort of overthought that line there. And yeah, I literally wrote a whole novel. Because of this film inspired me too. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll have seen it. As you will have probably seen my number one pick. But if you somehow haven't, definitely see it. Especially if you're into psychological horrors. Now, number one. Scream, 1996. Where do I begin? <laughs> Seriously, where do I begin? First off. Sidney Prescott. Can I just say, apart from Laurie Strode. Best screen queen ever. Then Billy Loomis, Sue Mocker, Tatum Riley, Dewey Riley, Gail Weathers, they are such a good cast. Honestly, I don't think any of the cast was known at the time. In fact, maybe Courtney Cox was known at the time. In fact, that screen might have even been her first role. Honestly, none, none of them were that well known. But... Scream really did set set up a massive career for some of them, like Jamie Kennedy, after playing in, after playing Randy, his career he became massive. Then Nev Campbell, she's been, she's become a screen queen since then. Billy Loomis is still, uh, sorry, Billy Loomis. Um, but. Um, you know, even, um, 
Matthew Lillard, he plays Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. Shaggy, like, Ah, that's perfect. It's it's great. And then obviously Courtney Cox went into Friends. I personally don't like Friends. I think it's overrated, my personal opinion. But Friends is admittedly a massive thing. If she wasn't in Scream, she probably wouldn't have been cast for Friends. Because Scream was big when it Scream was Scream for what? at least 15 years had the biggest box office gross of all of all time until obviously it came along and halloween 2018 but scream's still in the top five and scream 2 uh top grossing horror films of all time i'm pretty sure scream is at 110 million and scream 2 is 100 million and it's weird because the premise makes it seem like a simple slasher. And it's not one of those maniac cop or candyman situations where it's because it's got depth to it. Because it does have depth. But what really sets it off is because it's the same pres- uh, pres- uh, presidents but just reinvented, created in a different way. It's It's scary one minute funny the next someone dies one minute people are making fun of that death the next is that's what i mean it's realistic and scarily realistic like i'm a massive horror nerd and horror geek and what if one day i got mental problems or something and i went around killing people that's how realistic it is because any any normal person could put on a mask and go around stabbing people. That's how the film is scarily realistic. Then the story the story's new and grey and it's a huge the the twist at the end. Finding out that Billy and Stu were the killers was wow. Like you knew it might you knew it might have been Billy. But no one, no one saw both of them coming. I don't think there's ever been a situation in a horror movie where, or in a whodunit in general maybe, perhaps, where two of them are the killers. Now, yeah, there will have been, but certainly not as unexpected as Screams. I think, I just, the story, brilliant, the, 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 you should watch Scream for the first opening 15 minutes alone with Drew Barrymore. Just watch that and you'll see why I love the film. It really, really does show how self-aware, funny, creepy, realistic, and even even the music as well. Just the film, it is so good. <laughs> It might have been the first horror film as well that I saw. In fact, no, it's not the first. But I certainly remember watching it. It was... um, The first I saw was, if you count it, Shaun of the Dead, when I was in year three. Well, seven years old, if you're in America. Um, Then... The next horror film I saw was... I think it was The Conjuring when I was in about year six... And that scared me, because I was a year six. 
Then in year seven, I saw Scream and my life completely took a U-turn. Scream was what got me into horror movies. So for that alone, personally, I have to give Scream the crown. Because if it weren't for Scream, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this recording here today. I wouldn't know a thing about horror movies. Two, at least 200 movies I know about because of Scream. At least. There's probably more. That's how much of an influence it had. Because it made fun of all those movies. It was good that that was one of the first horror movies I saw. Because it made fun of all the horror movies that came before it. But not to the point of plagiarism or, or disrespectfulness. It played around with them. Like when Randy was watching Halloween and he was going, Look out, Jamie, you know she's around. You, sorry, you know he's around. And at the same time, Ghostface is behind him, behind Jamie Kennedy, as he's saying, behind you, Jamie talking about Jamie Lee Curtis, that is how self-aware the film is. That is how brilliant it is. Uh, It's just like, this is why Wes Craven is always going to be one of my favourite directors. He's certainly in my top three. Because, like Sam Raimi, he puts so much detail and so much work into everything. And in fact, for Sam Raimi, this is said for Sam Raimi, I heard that once he worked so hard, he actually passed out of exhaustion on set of The Evil Dead 2. And they had to give him some ice. He was... Oh. And the same can be said for Wes Craven. He put so much effort into Scream. So much effort, in fact, that he brought back a whole genre like, it's just, wow, there's just so much to say about it, but, and I will do a review on it at some point, because I have to, but not now, and that was a short-ish review, so yeah, that was my personal preference on my top 10 favourite horror movies of all time, what about you, do you agree, disagree, leave a comment, in fact, yeah, Tell me your top ten favourites, if you like. That might be nice. Um, or even just tell me a favourite, because I'd like to see other people's opinions. I want to see... Because I want to see what other people think. I want to see if any of them pop up. I want to see a recurring answer. That would be nice. Like, a lot of people think The Thing or The Shining is. And also, I'd like to point out that I'm not saying Scream is the best horror movie. In fact, I'd say it might only reach the top 20 horror movies of all time in terms of best, in terms of quality and stuff. Maybe it might enter the top 10. Maybe. But not for me. For me, it's number one because it's the one I enjoy watching the most. But if you ask me to do the the best, the Top three best, you'd have to say The Exorcist, The Shining, and Psycho. But, and those three aren't on my list anywhere. That's because, it's weird. It's like, I enjoy films because they're a good. Then I just enjoy films because I do. They don't have to be good or bad. 
that's what I feel like sometimes. Like, things like The Shawshank Redemption, that's in my top ten favourite films of all time. Because it's great. Joker from last year is in my top 20. Because it's great. Scream is my second favourite film of all time. Yet my favourite is uh, Star Wars um, Empire Strikes Back. But Scream's my second favourite film of all time. Purely. Because of most of the things I've just spoken about. And because it's just fun. It's fun from start to finish and a masterpiece and I'm really uh, and yeah I know that there's a Scream 5 happening now I don't know whether it's a reboot or a continuation of the story but what I do hope is that it is a continuation of the story and that they really don't ruin Sidney Prescott, Dewey Riley and Gail Weathers for me um, the film Screen 5 will probably be a year off though because production was spoken about last, I think it was November yeah, 9th of November was when it was announced but the directors have been announced recently so, do you, what, what do you agree with me there? there's guaranteed no one's going to have the same list as me not only because I have a lot of films that not many people know about but because horror films are about preference and trying to rank your favourite horror films would be like trying to rank all the doctors so I think you know what's coming next and what I mean by that is no one's going to have the same opinion on all the doctors and no one's going to have the same opinion on all horror movies so yeah thank you you've been watching Blood Talk Bye.